Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We're about a month into the state's stay-at-home order. In emergency and threatening situations, it's called sheltering in place. For today's sermon, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun tells us about a different kind of sheltering. We are familiar with the phrase, we are in lockdown or we are to shelter in place. But today I want to look at what it means to live in the shelter of the protection of the Lord. So read this with me from Psalm 91. For those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a great passage. This should give us a lot of hope. But to be honest, this passage is not all about promises, but also about problems that we might encounter in life. So let's take a look at this. Get your Bibles out and get ready to underline or write in the margin and look at the, or you can look at the notes provided in the notes tab on your screen if you're live streaming. It begins with the word whoever, which is another way of saying, if you choose to live this way, whoever chooses to live this way, here are the benefits. Right in the very first word, we realize we need to pay attention Verse 1 and 2, remember? Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So, if you dwell in the shelter of the Lord, you will find He is your refuge and fortress. Of all times, isn't it amazing that this passage talks about sheltering at a time that we are mandated to stay home. How this psalm talks of disease as we are sheltering because of a disease. 
how it talks of a protection in the midst of a plague while we ourselves are in the midst of a pandemic. Isn't that what we all want? The protection of the Almighty God. So the fact that the Lord is leading us to this passage today should be enough reason for us to really study this for the godly perspective and hope it gives. But it's not all as it seems. Yes, there's a promise, but there are problems or concerns as we study this more deeply. The famous American revivalist, preacher, Charles Spurgeon had this to say about this psalm. The blessings here promised are not for all believers, but for those who live in close fellowship with God. Every child of God looks towards the inner sanctuary and the mercy seat, yet all do not dwell in the most holy place. They run to it at times and enjoy occasional approaches, but they do not habitually reside in the mysterious presence. Those who, through rich grace, obtain unusual and continuous communion with God so as to abide in Christ and Christ in them become possessors of rare and special benefits which are missed by those who follow afar off and grieve the Holy Spirit. Wow! What Spurgeon is saying is that this special shelter is only for those who are really fully committed to God. If you are one who is a a dilettante in the faith, meaning a dabbler in the faith, one who, as he says, runs to God at times and is lukewarm in faith and occasionally approaches him but do not fully habitually reside in his presence, then Spurgeon says you may not know the wonderful blessing of his protection. He's not saying this is a penalty or a curse, but the reality is if you don't fully want to be under the shelter of God's wings to fully follow him, then when hard times come, you might crumble because you are not fully living in the spirit, living in Christ and taking advantage of a friendship with God. The word shelter in Hebrew is seter or sether. Psalms were written in Hebrew. The word seter means a place to hide or be concealed or a secret place. And actually, if you were to read this passage in the old King James Version, it would say this, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place. That's what Charles Spurgeon called it. The secret place that that devout believers inhabit. This is when a follower of God fully immerses him or herself in obedience to the Lord and rest or reside in the secret place, in the shelter under the Lord's wings and be in the shadow of the Almighty. Not the shadow of anyone, but the shadow of the Almighty God who created the universe. Spurgeon refers to it as if it is deep inside the holy temple, in the holiest of holy places. But it's not the place for those who lightly follow the Lord and put a toe in and dabble, but for those who fully jump into the living water of Christ. It makes sense. You will not fully experience the peace of God in troubled times unless you fully trust Him. If you partially trust Him or only run to Him when in trouble, 
You don't benefit from the full fellowship and friendship and benefits and protection of God. Now, I told you this would be a complex message that talks of the promise and then some problems and then ends with a great promise. So hang in there with me. You'll like the end. We are authentically right now dealing in this message with the fact that God wants us to fully be faithful to him and him alone. And if we can trust him, the more we trust him, the more we will receive the benefits of his strength and wisdom and, and love. If you were dating someone or married to someone and you were kinda committed, and at times you would date someone else other than your boyfriend or girlfriend or date someone else other than your spouse, it hampers your primary relationship or marriage because you will never experience the full benefits of a committed relationship if you just dabble in commitment rather than be fully loyal and faithful. Did you know that all of the research shows that couples who live together and then get married have a higher rate of divorce? It's because you can't practice commitment. Either you are or you are not fully committed. When one is fully loyal and faithful to one's spouse, you receive more blessings. And when you're not fully loyal, it is not only that your spouse will penalize you. Know the pain and regret from that, from not being faithful in a marriage are just the natural consequences of not being committed. Hence Spurgeon and others are saying, if you're in that secret place of being fully committed to God, in that Hebrew setter or hiding place or shelter of the Lord, you will experience tremendous protection and blessing from God. And when you commit to be in the shelter of the Lord's wings, it is amazing how resilient you can be for the Lord surrounds you with his presence and protection. I told you last week how one of my ministries outside the church is facing tremendous financial difficulty due to COVID. And right now we didn't get any payroll protection plan funds, but I'm feeling okay. I'm under the Lord's protective wings, the shadow of the Almighty. Emotionally, I'm truly okay. Disappointed, wondering about the future, but truly okay. Years ago, there was a tremendous fire at the university lab school. Our house is adjacent to that school, and I actually was the one who called in about the fire to the fire department. It was such a ferocious fire that the police told me and the family to quickly escape from our house. You may have had that icebreaker small question group of, if your house was on fire, what is one thing you would take with you? Well, that discussion question became real. My son and I ran out and I took my laptop. I figured that it had all of my photos. That was way before iCloud. And I would want those memories at least. I actually ran back in later to the house to get a stuffed animal for my young son. As we watched in safety across the street, I watched flames that went up much higher than our 25 foot high house. And I knew right then our house would burn down. It was so close, so windy, that fire. And I grieved that we would lose all of our possessions, all of the sentimental things we had in our house. But right then, I said one thing to myself. It wasn't a statement of fear or anxiety or despair. The words on my lips were, we're going to get through this. 
We're going to get through this. And that was my honest resolve, literally, in the face of fire. When one is in that secret place, in the shadow of the Almighty, you know that you can get through anything. The flames were marching across the field and the winds were sending it towards my house and the houses of my neighbors and sparks and ashes were, ashes were dropping onto all of our roofs. And I knew if the fire got to those adjacent houses and most of the houses in the neighborhood were more than 50 years old, I knew it would be a tinderbox and it would go right down the street. But suddenly the winds changed and the wall of fire stopped about 10 feet from my neighbors and all of our houses were saved. Now, I know for a fact that there are families in our, in our church where that wasn't true for them. A, a fire or a, a flood ruined their home. I remember what happened to the Lintons and how the rain drenched their house. But you can read this psalm and say, wait a minute. The psalm says that in verses 9 and 10, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. But you say, but then harm and disaster has hit my life. I know. I've gone through a divorce, painful rejection. But Dan, the psalm says that pestilence, meaning disease, will never harm me, but it has harmed me. I know what that's like. My mom, a strong believer, died of lung cancer. Sorrow did hit me. Some in our church got COVID-19. Yes, only three, but all are well now. The point is that when we are in the shelter and the shadow of the Almighty, it doesn't mean we never have pain or sorrow, but trusting in the Lord means we will get through that pain and sorrow. And in, in that sense, pain and sorrow will not win in the end, for the Lord will strengthen us and get us through. We will not be destroyed if we keep the faith. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not stop in it because we live in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, may I speak frankly about something? One of the reasons people fall away from the Christian faith or they attend church a while or say they believe a while and then fall off is because of this very issue. They falsely think that to become a follower of Jesus means God will protect them and they will never have pain or very little pain. And when they get pain, they say, oh, wow, then God is not for me. Jesus, you are junk. Holy Spirit, you're a joke and I'm out of here. But you see, that is because they thought God was a pill and not a person, a pill like Allegra that limits allergy or an anesthetic to take away my pain and numb me out. But what did Jesus really say? Look it up in the Gospel of John in the 16th chapter. It, Jesus said it super clearly. John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus flat out says three things. First, you will have trouble. As a follower of Jesus, you will, not maybe, but you will have trouble, pain, persecution, betrayal, loss of loved ones, illness. But second, you may have peace. You might have peace if you accept and believe that third, Jesus has overcome the world. So don't bellyache that you have pain that sustains. That was part of the deal. If you have the faith, the full-on faith, to live in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty, you will have peace to get through any hardship. And that is what Psalm 91 is promising. Not a life without pain, but a life that God will strengthen you through any pain, even if you have lost a loved one, or facing financial losses, or facing illness, or rejection, or difficult family or friends. I like how the Message Bible version paraphrases Jesus' words in that John 16:33 passage. It says something like, I told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. And in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I've, I've conquered the world. The Bible tells us we will have pain in this world. The arts tell us this. Movies tell us this. Like one of the best movies of all time, Princess Bride. Princess Bride has it all. It has love. Or should I say, as in the movie, love. Love is what brings us together. The movie has revenge. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. But best of all, it has reality. As when the dread pirate Robert says, who says life is fair? Where is that written? Life is pain. Anyone who says otherwise is selling something. Inconceivable, says the pampered Christian. But now, then, compare that to a life that lives in God's secret place. What do you make of a woman responsible for this quote in contrast to that Princess Bride quote? Failure means nothing now, only that it taught me life. Those are the words of Elizabeth Elliot, with whom I've had the great benefit of having a private conversation. She wrote a book called The Shadow of the Almighty. It was a book about her life and her husband, Jim Elliott, who was speared to death in 1956 while trying to make missionary contact with the Alca Indians in Ecuador. Imagine you give up your life for Jesus and then you lose your husband and seemingly your ministry. Elizabeth had a 10-month-old daughter named Valerie when her husband and three or four other missionaries with him were murdered. Their, their whole team was killed. It would have been natural to be bitter towards God and felt you got a raw deal. I mean, after all of my sacrifices, this happens, God, really? But when you live in that secret place, in the shelter, in, in the shadow of the Almighty, you have the strength and the love of God and the assurance that He's in control. 
if you could believe this, Elizabeth and her daughter went back to the Alka Indians, the people who killed her husband and friends and forgave them and still tried to communicate with them and live with them for years and ultimately converted many in the tribe. In her great book, In the Shadow of the Almighty, as well as another one entitled Through Gates of Splendor, she details her work. A 2015 docudrama about this terrible event in Elizabeth's life entitled End of the Spear starred one of our church attenders. Literally, as Psalm 23 says, Elizabeth Elliot learned to live in the presence of mine enemies and show Christ-centered, unconditional love. Now, there are many listening here thinking, I'm not there, Dan. I could not do that. I have doubts. I have fears. How can I live a life in that secret place where God can really be my refuge? Work, I can really trust him. I mean, Dan, I admit I have dabbled. I have ran away from him when times got tough. And the fact that I'm online today is part of my just checking things out again. Does God truly love me? Will he forgive me? Will he give me another go to try and be in that secret place? The answers to those questions are yes, yes, and yes. Remember that guy named Job in the book of the Bible named after him? Everything goes wrong for Job. He loses his family, his house, his possessions, and he gets physical pain and sores and scabs. And the, and the first two chapters, he remains faithful to God and doesn't complain. And then in the third chapter, he lets it rip. And, and I, I remember what the message, the paraphrase says, for all of the color of his prayer to God. And Job says, human life is a struggle, isn't it? It's a life sentence to hard labor, like field hands longing for quitting time and working stiffs with nothing to hope but payday. And I'm, I'm given a life that meanders and, and goes nowhere, months of aimlessness, aimlessness, nights of misery. And I go to bed and think, how long till I can get up? And I toss and I turn as the night drags on and I'm fed up and I'm covered with maggots and scabs and my skin gets scaly and hard and then oozes with pus. My days come and go swifter than the click of knitting needles and then the yarn runs out and unfinished life. God doesn't forget that I'm only a puff of air. These eyes have had their last look at goodness, and your eyes have seen the last of me. Even while you're looking, there'll be nothing left to look at. And so, I'm not keeping one bit of this quiet. I'm laying it all out on the table. My complaining to high heaven is bitter but honest. So are you going to put a muzzle on me, the way you quiet the sea and still the storm? And if I say I'm going to bed, then I'll feel better. A little nap will lift my spirits. You then come and so scare me with nightmares and frighten me with ghosts that I'd rather strangle in the bedclothes than face this kind of life any longer. I hate this life. Who needs any more of this? Let me alone. There's nothing to my life. It's nothing but smoke. You can read about that in the message paraphrase. But Job's not done. 16 chapters later, he's still dishing it out to God. 
and expresses his doubts and lack of trust in God. He says in the 23rd chapter, Job 23.2, I'm not letting up. I'm standing my ground. My complaint is legitimate. God has no right to treat me like this. It isn't fair. If I knew where on earth to find him, I'd go straight to him. I'd lay my case before him face to face, give him all my arguments firsthand. I'd find out exactly what he's thinking, discover what's going on in his head. Do you think he'd dismiss me or bully me? No, he'd take me seriously. He'd see a straight living man before him. My judge would acquit me for good of all charges. And then in the story, Job's Three friends pile onto him, telling Job that he lacks faith in various ways. And on and on this goes in the book of Job until finally, get this, in the 38th chapter, God finally speaks to Job. And God answers in the form of questions. He says, so Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? And when the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy, where were you? So you would think at this point, God would be super mad. But in the last chapter, we hear God say to Job's friend, who was one of the three who were hassling Job, this remarkable thing. Job 42, 7. After the Lord has spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. And we say, what? God honors Job? After nearly 40 chapters of doubt and despair about God, he says Job has spoken right of God. How can this be? Now, this is super important. Why did God honor Job? Because God could see that all of what Job was saying were prayers. Job was talking to God. Job was still conversing. Job was praying. And in his doubts and despair, he continued to communicate and talk to God of his disappointment and anger and frustration and doubt. And God doesn't get angry, but honors that. So if you are at a place where you are thinking, I would like to be in that secret place, to be in the shelter of the Almighty, but I have blown it. I have told God to leave me alone. I've told God I don't believe you. I've told God my doubts, and I even at one point, I walked away. Then please look at this. We can see with Job that if someone like him could say so many things against God, and that God in the end forgives him and still welcomes him, then know that he still forgives you and welcomes you. Your shouts of frustration with God are still prayers. You are still in the arena. Job repents, and Job is then full on, blessed by God in so many ways. And we can now realize 
how much God loves us, and that even all of the sins of our rejection of Him have been covered by Him. And we may be saying right now, why me? I don't deserve to suffer. Then know this, there is someone like you who really didn't deserve to suffer, and that's Jesus. He's the one who lived a perfect life and yet he was betrayed and suffered injustice and torture and pain. You don't have to give up on life or on God. Elizabeth Elliot didn't. Nor did Jim Hickerson or Jerry Coffey, who go to our church, who suffered as POWs in Hanoi for five to seven years during the Vietnam War. Yet they all found a secret place in God, and their faith grew and did not diminish. Talk to those who have found that secret place. Talk to people in the digital community groups that you are all invited to immediately after this service to talk story and ask questions and hear each other's stories. When Jesus went to the cross, he took on all of our doubt and blaspheming and frustration against God to tell us in clear fashion, I love you. And nothing you can say or do will separate you from my love. And that is why I died for you and rose again. You can always have a clean slate with me. And that's why he died for you and rose again for you. You know, Tim Keller tells of a friend he has that suffered so much through pain and illness and other handicaps. And he asked her, how do you handle all of the sickness? And she answered, Oh, it's nothing that the resurrection can't cure. Yes, this life is hard. It's really hard. And disease has affected our lives. And financial pressures are great. Family stress is great. But God offers us strength and rescue, not apart from pain, but in the midst of it. So I want to close and read again the first six verses of Psalm 91 now that we have studied it. But I want to say this first. The governor and the mayor have ordered us into shelter in place. And many of you have found that frustrating. But God is inviting you into his shelter in place under his wings. And while some of you are feeling the state and cities shelter in place is limiting your freedom. The Almighty's shelter gives you more freedom than you can ever imagine. And now I read again, starting in verse 1, Psalm 91, 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Your faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrows that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease 
that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that destroys at midday. Amen? Amen. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating a secret place for us. And Lord, I pray that if there's some here who are watching and somehow you have spoken to them in a new and fresh way, I pray that your Holy Spirit flows into them. And for some here, they may be feeling, okay, this is it. No more dabbling. No more being a dilettante. No more kinda in, kinda out. Okay, to the best of my ability, I'm, I wanna enter into that secret place and fully commit and follow you. And Lord, if there are those people there who are saying that prayer, may they just say this prayer with me, that Lord, sorry that I've been dabbling or sorry I've been running from you or sorry I've been rejecting you. And I really want to follow you now. So thank you for showing always unconditional love. Thank you for wanting me to be with you. Thank you for forgiving me, forgiving my sins, forgiving my rejection. And so now please allow me into the secret place and come into my heart, my soul, my life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'm not perfect, but to the best of my ability, Lord, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Christ's name, amen. And if you've made that prayer, or if you want prayer, if you committed your life to Christ, hit that button that you see there. If you're on live stream, and, or if you want prayer, hit that button, and pastors or others on the prayer team will reach out to you right now and, and uh, pray with you and, and talk with you. Just before I give the final benediction, I just wanted to encourage you that if you said a prayer of commitment, hit that I commit my life to Christ button. Or if you want some prayer, hit that button too if you're on live streaming. And third, if you want to talk about this message with others and maybe share some stories or hear other people's stories, then we have those connect groups that you can see on your screen that you can join right after my blessing. And um, they would love to uh, welcome you and you know, everybody will be joining, a lot of people, new people, so don't feel you're the only one who do doesn't know everybody, and please join us for that. And now, let me close with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and His countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May you know He's with you always, and you can live in the shadow of the Almighty. In Christ's name. Amen. God bless. See you next time. We have the ultimate shelter in God Almighty. We can and should shelter with Him at all times and receive His full covering. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Preds website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sunday mornings at our Ko'olau campus or at the Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, 
fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs at all, you can reach our church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you. Stay safe and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.